This is a sacred space for the open minds, earnest hearts, and growing souls. For we are embarking on an authentic, vulnerable, and unapologetic journey toward holistic wellness and lifelong learning. My name is Annie Wang, and I use storytelling to maximize our collective well-being and put humanity in perspective. Welcome to my podcast. I'm really glad you're here. Hello, beautiful humans. This episode of In Perspective is one that I'm super enthusiastic about, and I know many of you have been waiting for as well. So, diving into the dimension of physical well-being, we will discuss how to empower a fitter lifestyle, what you should consider before committing to one, and the mental fortitude required to start or restart your fitness journey. You will hear engaging stories around starting the journey, competing in a powerlifting meet, recovering from injury, and adopting more sustainable fitness goals. I hope you take away some of the amazing content in this episode as we put fueling our fitness in perspective. Close your eyes if it's convenient, take a deep breath, and open your mind. You remember those high school days vividly, don't you? The ones that seem like an endless stream of torment and insecurity. Back then, you were the one they picked on. The kid who was so painfully skinny that you felt like a gust of wind could blow you away. At times, you'd look at yourself in the mirror, your bony frame reflecting back at you, and you'd wonder why you had drawn the short straw in the genetic lottery. The sight made you angry, not just at the superficial and judgmental world, but at your own body for being this way. The frustrations turned to fuel, and you vowed to change your physical appearance to transform yourself into someone who couldn't be ridiculed. Someone that people would look up to, or honestly, someone who you could respect. Maybe you resonate with this perspective, or maybe you don't. Either way, your emotions are completely valid, and the fact that you're listening to this right now means that you want to grow, both physically and mentally. So in this episode of In Perspective, I will share an unscripted conversation that I had with my dear friend, Jared, as we share our lessons, mistakes, and changes throughout our transformative fitness journeys. Alrighty, so welcome, Jared Elkins. Thank you so much for being on the In Perspective podcast. Um, I'm really excited to just have this conversation with you and get really vulnerable and open about our physical fitness journeys. So welcome, Jared. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Annie. Yeah, um, I know that we became friends in like college um, and you actually introduced me to powerlifting. So I thought it was like really full circle that, you know, we could have a conversation on what exactly fitness means to us and also, you know, how you came about like your fitness journey and uh, what you've learned so far, just to share your perspective with others. Yeah, Um I think there's so many different ways to interpret fitness. I think for me, I come from like a really specific background with powerlifting, which for for anyone listening who isn't familiar with it, I think the gist of what you would need to know is it's more of a strength training approach. Um, We train for one rep maximums on squat, bench, and deadlift, and we do competitive meets for it. So you'd go to a meet, you train for it for a certain number of weeks, you go to a meet, and you do three squat attempts, three bench attempts, three deadlift attempts. Your goal is to get the highest combined total weight of squat, bench, and deadlift on the board. That becomes your total. Um, It also works by weight class. So kind of like wrestling, um, weight classes exist. And the winner has the highest total in their weight class for their given lifts that they do. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and we'll definitely dive into powerlifting a bit more for anyone who's interested. But I guess to begin, Jared, if you just want to talk a little bit about like how you began your fitness journey and like how you started to build a routine around fitness. Yeah, so I think my fitness journey really started in high school. I played soccer for all my life going up until that point and realized it was absolutely not for me. Um, not that I was like terrible or anything, but I, I definitely wasn't good. Very sad like to think. So I quit soccer and I was trying to think like, what else could I do to be physically fit? Like I'm getting a little bit bored here. Um, and at the time I was the same height I am now, basically like 5'10". Um, I weighed 115 pounds. So I was like basically a stick. Like I had... <laughs> meat on my bones whatsoever very very skinny kid um Mm -hmm. and something in me though was just drawn to weightlifting for some reason drawn to to moving weight so i signed up for the strength training class that my high school had um it was like every single gym period you go to like a gym instead of just like running around in circles or whatever you do in like normal gym class i never really had a normal gym class so i don't know um (laughs) but Another motivation for that was because I was also like bullied a bit in high school, like you're tiny. Oh my God. Like, I feel like you could fit through like this or whatever. Like, you know, like, I don't know if it's like bullying per se, but it's definitely not fun. Um, it motivated me to like want to get bigger too. So mm-hmm. as I started in the gym, of course, COVID hit right after I started, but moving into COVID, I decided to invest a substantial amount of money in like my own equipment. Like I bought a rack, a barbell weights, dumbbells, um, and that was kind of a lot for me because I was in high school, you know, I don't have any income for the most part. Um, like everything totaled like six to $700. So I was like kind of going all in here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. I liked it so much when I started. And even though I was like kind of training a little bit stupidly, like I was benching five times a week, uh, probably hit legs like once in my life <laughs> before <laughs> COVID, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, um, mm-hmm. but I wanted to learn. I wanted to get better. And during COVID, I'd like to think that's exactly what I did. I decided that I was going to eat, I was going to lift, and I was going to get better. I was going to learn. Um, so throughout COVID, everything kind of progressed a lot. I went from 115 to maybe 150 throughout COVID, um, gaining weight, gaining strength, et cetera. Got to college. That's when I found powerlifting. Um, and kind of the story goes from there. But during COVID was literally like the key time. Yeah. And I think I also resonate with that. And I'm sure a lot of other people do as well, having that time during COVID where we just got to focus on ourselves and like develop something that, you know, we really were passionate about. Even for me, I'm like two years older than you. So then that was like my freshman year of college when COVID hit. And that was when I first uh, started going to the gym more consistently, like following Instagram accounts. I started like a fitness page and that really helped to hold hold me accountable in going to the gym and in like learning and finding community around the weightlifting family as well. And I think that really helped me initially get into, you know, like lifting and going to the gym as a girl who maybe feels more intimidated going to a gym that's full of like bulky dudes grunting everywhere, you know. It's your first time stepping into the gym and you're decked out in your brand new workout gear, feeling a strange mix of excitement and intimidation, feeling like a lost sheep. You stand in the middle of the gym floor, trying to remember the mental checklist you had prepared. Okay, so I'm going to warm up with some cardio, then maybe some weights, but what machines should I use? You start with what's manageable, the treadmills. Next, you venture into the labyrinth of machines and weights. You spot a machine that seems relatively straightforward, but as you approach, you notice a poster-sized diagram showing a complicated, multi-step process for adjusting the seat and handles. Scared of looking like a fool, you decide it's best to move on. Over by the free weights, you see a mountain of dumbbells. You reach for a pair that seems manageable and attempt a bicep curl, only to have your arm quiver under the unfamiliar weight. You glance at the nearby seasoned lifters and their dumbbells seemingly 
an extension of their arms. In the midst of your gym-induced embarrassment, you catch a reflection in a mirror and realize you have a bewildered, wide-eyed expression that screams, I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. But that's okay. You take a deep breath, remind yourself that this is a space to focus on our growth. Everyone started somewhere, and no one is at the gym to judge other people anyway. With newfound determination, you continue your fitness journey, embracing the awkwardness as part of the process. When you first um, entered the gym, how did you like get over the initial like, oh, I don't know what to do. Like, I'm so confused. I'm so lost. Like, how did you dive into learning the right techniques and the right routines to do? Yeah, yeah. I think, well, it's kind of funny because there were really like two times I quote unquote entered the gym. Like the first time was during the strength training class. Um, I met a friend. He also played soccer and he knew how to lift, or at least like, in my opinion, knew more than me. Um, sorry, Alex, if you're watching this, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like he knew more than I did. So I stuck with him and kind of copied everything he did. Um, then when I went in COVID, you know, when you're passionate about something and it's also like a focal point in your life when during COVID, like we were allowed to focus on ourselves, what you were saying, um, you're going to be learning more about it. You're going to be going down little rabbit holes, you know, like you're going to figure things mm -hmm. out on your own. And that's certainly what I tried to do. Um, and I think the big like entering a gym culture shock for me was right after COVID going into the gym and thinking like I was the shit, like I've done so much. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so good at this. Going to the gym and like everyone's showing at me <laughs> because, you know, you've only been doing it for what, like eight months, nine months, maybe a year max. Um, So many people have been working so much harder and so much longer than you. And it was really a culture shock. And I, one that I like possibly embraced too, because I was like, wow, like I fought I was nearing like my peak of this, but wow, there's so much more room to grow and I love it. Um, mm -hmm. so that was, that was kind of the first culture shock. The first time going to public gym, I remember having like maybe, maybe like a 250 squat back then. I was mm -hmm. like so proud of myself and 250 squats, like a good number. Right. But, um, I was definitely, definitely impressed by what other people could do. And it was really cool. Like stepping up for the first time, I think mm -hmm. also maybe intimidated, um, a little bit. I think I'm the type of person where when I'm in that situation, like I honestly don't like think about other people, but you know, like it was definitely a new environment. So definitely not the easiest to walk into. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that probably happens to a lot of people when they go to like a public gym for the first time and they're seeing like all these other girls and boys like, you know, lifting so much more. And it's really hard not to compare yourself to someone else when, you know, maybe you're just starting out and you're lifting the bar, you know. So I think the main thing that I've really had to learn to shift away from is comparing myself to others at the gym. Mm -hmm. And something that you said really well is that you are impressed by other people. In a sense, I think it's like inspired like you're inspired by how much other people can do and like that motivates you to keep going and pushing yourself but you're not at all comparing yourself and like uh shitting on yourself because you can't do what they can do right mm -hmm. yeah i think that's definitely a good point Annie. i think also for anyone listening like a really good perspective here is like when i started i distinctly remember the first time i ever bench pressed right like it was in my high school gym um once again weighed like 115 pounds back then never took it never touched a weight in my life i rubbed the bar twice and then dropped the third rep on my face because i physically wasn't strong enough to lift 45 pounds off my body like oh my that god is Yes, that is the rock bottom. <laughs> that is where I started. And it's really fun because now you look at it and you're like, wow, like, I don't like, why would I think about 45 pounds? Like, <laughs> it's wild to me. Um, so it's just like, it's really cool to see that progression. And I think that's one of the best parts of doing the gym and doing like the whole physical fitness thing, even if it's not like the gym, um, doing the whole physical fitness thing. It's just seeing the progression, like watching where you start versus where you are now. It's super cool to see how far you can go. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, not enough people realize that it's not something that happens overnight. It's definitely like a gradual growth process that like one day you start with the bar and then the next day, maybe you can add 2.5 and then it becomes like 10 pounds on each side and you gradually 
feel stronger. And once that happens, once you're like consistently hitting the gym and uh, being able to push more weight, that motivates you to continue and to um, keep building up that strength and keep going back to the gym. So I guess um, talking about getting first in there, that's probably the most difficult part for people, um, like consistently and staying disciplined. So what are some methods or techniques that you use to stay disciplined and consistent in your training? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think that I'm different from a lot of people in this respect because staying disciplined is something in a sense that I've been brought up with. Like it's not anything that feels challenging to me in a sense. It's more along the lines of like, I know I'm going to have to do this, but what time will I actually have left for myself? You know, uh, <laughs> like doing high school and and having parents that will like push you a little bit because like they went to really good colleges, your brother did, and you want to do the same thing. Like um, having all that pressure on you kind of forces you to have like an attitude of discipline and perseverance that doesn't really get shaken when you're doing a new um, exercise or something different. So when I walked into the gym, the question wasn't really like, how am I going to do this like four or five days a week, every single week? It was more along the lines of like, how in the world am I going to fit it in? Like, where can I slot this time? And what sacrifices am I going to have to make in order to make this work? Like, if you're really passionate about something, in my opinion, you stay consistent with it, even when the motivation isn't there. Like, I think... Mm -hmm maybe to take a little bit of a right turn here. Um, I think consistency, motivation are very different things. Motivation kind of comes and goes and consistency slash discipline is something that you either have or you don't like, it's something you need to build. It's a habit you need to build. Um, and like all habits, it gets easier once you make the first step. So it's mostly in my opinion, from my perspective, just kind of forcing yourself to go in there for the first few times. Um, if you like it, you'll stick with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so well said, Jared. I think um, you made a good point of how motivation and consistency are different. But in order to be consistent, you have to really develop it into a habit and make time for it. Right. Because mm -hmm. you mentioned you were struggling with how to fit going to the gym into your schedule. But then it's like, if you're really passionate about something and you really want progress in certain areas of your life, you're going to make time for it. You're not just going to think like, I don't have time to go to the gym today. No, like you do have the abundance of time, but like, do you make the time to go to the gym today? Exactly. So yeah. I think that's, that's something that I did a lot freshman year and it kind of sounds like maybe a little dumb and nerdy looking back on it. But I remember there were two days where it was best for me to do certain lifts that day, but it was really hard to get them in. NCRB, North Campus Recreational Building at University of Michigan, was open till 11 p.m. I would pretty consistently go from 9 to 11 p.m. on those two days. And it kind of sucked. Like, <laughs> I remember one of those days was a Friday and I would just be in the gym like 9 to 11 p.m. Like you're looking at your phone between sets and you see like your friends drinking or smoking or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just like <laughs> you <laughs> see that your phone when you're sitting on a bench um, <laughs> or like you're about to start deadlifting. It's like, damn, like, <laughs> is this where I want to be right now? Like, is this where I want to be? I think um but you are you are doing the right thing it's very useful um even though it doesn't feel like it at all in the moment it's probably where you should be so in my opinion you got to really like lay out what you're passionate about see what you can get it I'm a very analytically oriented person with that like I like write mm -hmm. out like okay this is priority one priority two three four if lifting's up there like you're gonna have to make time for it even if it's not comfortable so mm -hmm. that's that's part of staying disciplined in my opinion is making time for things when they're not comfortable and lifting definitely falls in that bucket for me. Yeah. And Jared, honestly, like I admire you so much because as a freshman, you know, instead of like going out and partying with your friends, you're like staying focused on your goals, on like your passions. And that's really an admirable trait. But I guess like also going into like the goal setting part of it, um, what would you say were your goals when you started your fitness journey? And like, how do you think someone should go about thinking about setting goals? Yeah, that's that's a great point. They've they've changed so much, to be honest. I remember when I lifted for the first time, I was like, holy shit, like people can bench a plate. Like, what is going on? What is this? Um, and like, that was my goal for the longest time. Like it took me to be completely transparent. I think it took me like nine months to hit a plate on bench, like very light guy, very skinny, not good at benching. Um, it took me a while. And that was the goal for such a long time. As I get better and improve, 
like I feel like the goalpost shifts, right? You mm-hmm. you get 135 and you're like, oh my God, it'd be so cool if I could bench like 185 or like two plates. And you get there and you're like, whoa, like I see this person at my body weight doing 275 or 315. And you get there and you look in the future. And I mean, you can look at the top of your weight class and there's there's people benching like 440, 445. And um, and it's just, it gets all the way up there and you're like, wow, like when am I satisfied? <laughs> so I think that's definitely something to think about when goal setting is make sure to like celebrate your accomplishments, you know, mm-hmm. don't be like me. Um, don't bench 225 for the first time and like feel relieved after. Cause you're like, okay, thank God I can finally like consider myself competent at lifting. Like you should be happy about that. You should mm-hmm. not be relieved. Um, so I'd say definitely tip for goal setting is like celebrate your accomplishments Make it very clear to yourself when you get what you want and be happy about it. Like make sure that you're giving yourself the credit you deserve because like that takes a lot of work. Um, and there's so many, I think that can be applied to like all ranges of someone's life. But I think specifically with lifting, like that's definitely something I would have changed if I could. Yeah, no, that's such a valid point, like celebrating your accomplishments and being happy when you do reach a goal, because then that'll push you to keep setting goals and you'll feel that spark of dopamine when you hit your goals, right? Mm -hmm. And I think personally for me, I initially started going to the gym because I wanted a fatter ass, like, uh, (laughs) you know, honestly, like I was bullied. Um, Well, I wouldn't say bullied either, but, you know, like being made fun of because I had a really flat Asian ass. And honestly, like I owned it in high school. I was like, yeah, whatever. I was like born this way. I can't do anything about it. But then I realized that I could do something about it. You know, like I could like grow my glutes and that way I could have a fatter ass and like have a better build in general, something that I could be proud of. So then that was my initial reason for getting into the gym. But then gradually, just like you, my goals shifted. And now it's no longer that aesthetic that I'm chasing. It's more so that strength and having the confidence to be able to overcome anything that comes my way. I think especially like as a as a female who likes to do a lot of like shit. Like, you know, I tend to put myself out there and if I can't back it up and I don't have the capacity to like stand up for myself, then it it can get scary at, at times where I'm faced in situations that like are uncomfortable. And I think, yeah, it's really important to first realize what your goals are. And then once you determine your goals, having a plan in place to gradually achieve those goals. I think like that's one of the things I admire most about you is I feel like you go in so many different areas and you somehow seem to be like very passionate and like put a hundred percent into everything you do. Like you do like, um, like we were in this business club together, of course, when you were a student here and, but you also do powerlifting and like a bunch of other organizations. And I feel like every single area in life, any has or will explore it, (laughs) you know, it's so cool. Um, but anyway, the question you asked me about building routines, um, Mm -hmm. yes, (laughs) you have to be very planning. Um, you have to be very planning oriented and it, it, it can get annoying for sure. Um, but really I think it kind of does down to like, how much effort do you want to put in to reach your goal? And I think a lot of people have this attitude where it's like, okay, well, you're not putting enough effort into reach your goal. Like that means you're a shitty person and you shouldn't have goals. Like, no, (laughs) that's dumb. Personally, I think that you can put in however much effort that you want. Like that's completely fine. But if you don't put in the effort needed to reach a goal and you shouldn't expect to hit it, you should maybe have different goals and make sure that the effort that you're giving kind of matches the situation that you're in. I think it's really Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think especially being in college where you have so many other like responsibilities and commitments too, it's even more important to like plan exactly what time you're going to go to the gym on what days and what like sets you're going to hit, you know, maybe like what pounds you want to reach for each set um, and all that in advance. Um, And you could even like put it on Google Calendar. I'm sure you're very familiar with that, Jared. Um, But when I was in college and I was balancing all those different like extracurriculars and academics and whatnot, I had to uh, put the gym, which was like a two hour block in my Google Calendar. I think it was like five to six days a week that I would have it in my calendar. And um, in the Google Calendar, when you click on it in the notes section, you can write 
down exactly like, you know, what you want to hit today, like um, whatever description. And so I found that to be really helpful, especially when I was balancing like a really busy workload. And I'm sure you do something similar too, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Google Calendar all-encompassing um for me like i have a coach like i pay someone to do my programming um because the two reasons like one quite honestly like i don't know how to do this <laughs> i feel like everybody is like jared like you've done this you've lifted for so long like can you write a program for me can you help me like lift no no i cannot <laughs> i don't know what i'm doing i don't know how to program you like yeah the other thing i do yeah he uses a spreadsheet my coach um so what I do is I just go on there and it's like a little Excel doc and it like looks all nice and organized and I can like input the little weights that I do. And like, um, we use RPE in our training, which is like rate of perceived exertion. So like what RPE was it rating, how hard the set was so you can have more data. So all of that, um, I think what's, what's kind of funny that people listening might not realize is when you, when you do something like this, like when you do powerlifting as a sport, it becomes a lot less meathead and a lot more nerd, right? Um, mm. Like I have spreadsheets going back to 2020 with data from my workouts that I use to, that I analyze and use to inform my decisions going forward with what weight I choose, um, what I recommend to my coach, like what my coach recommends me, et cetera. Um, and it seems like a lot, but definitely has paid off so far with the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you bring up a really good point with um, data, right? Because I think nowadays we care so much about the datafication of ourselves and quantifying as many metrics as we can and whatever. So it's really important, I think, to keep track of your progress, whether it's like in an app, in your notes or like um, on, you know, an Excel like you use uh, just to make sure that we can consistently see our progress. And once we're able to see a pattern of uh, progression and evolution, then it like wires our brain to think like, wow, what I'm doing that made this progress happen is good. And so I should keep doing that. And that's how we develop into a habit that's more difficult if we're not able to see the actual numbers. And like if we're not able to like quantify metrics to track our workouts and like our progress, right? Definitely. It gets harder, in my opinion, the less data you have. But mm -hmm. I have the privilege of not worrying about that because I pay someone to do it. Thank you, Thomas. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think definitely the data is like a lot more important than you'd think it might be. Yeah. And I think for you, like someone who's comfortable, um, you know, paying someone for coaching, it makes it a lot easier for you. And that's something completely valid that I think people, if they don't have enough time, should definitely look into. Personally, I'm someone who's like low income and like I don't want to spend additional miscellaneous finances on like paying someone else to do something that I could do and allocate time to. Um, I would recommend for anyone else that like maybe in my position where you don't want to spend that extra money to just honestly do the research yourself. Like if this is something that you're really passionate about and you want to see change in your life, then you can like honestly do a little Google search um, and see what personal training is all about. You could like, there's free templates out there for Excel where you could like track your um, lifts, you know, like exactly how much you want to do, what your goals are and how much you should hit for each training session. Um, there's a lot of free resources out there for for people, but a lot of people are just too lazy to like look for all that or they don't have the time to look for all that. So um, yeah, if like money is an issue, definitely uh, you would have to sacrifice time to like invest in those things. Mm -hmm. There's so many more foundational things that you can do to help yourself progress, whether it be eating right, eating enough, um, programming yourself. Um, there, there's so many more foundational things you can do for, for so much less time and cost than coaching. It's, it's not worth it for most people. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and you also brought up nutrition, which is like food. So let's, let's honestly go into that. Cause I think eating well, is a really nutrition. big, like part and component of your physical health as well. Yes. Yes. I think so many people get nutrition wrong so much of the internet gets nutrition wrong. Um, and I, I think that there's so much to be said about it coming from an athletic background, which 
it, it still sounds hilarious to myself that I have an athletic background, but you know, here we are. Um, but you know, you learn things doing this, you learn uh, like what works for me and what keeps me feeling nourished, um, keeps me gaining weight. Cause I'm always trying to gain weight. Um, and what keeps me feeling like I enjoy the food I'm actually eating all three very important things. And it's very different for every person, right? Cause mm-hmm. people's bodies are so unique and there's not like a one size fits all where if you just eat this, you're going to get this result. Um, so really I think it, is dependent on your situation and like obviously you know your body um better than anyone else so don't always believe what you hear on the internet and um do things try different things and then if it doesn't work listen to your body that's really important um because i feel like a lot of people they're listening they'd rather listen to like external sources telling them something uh when their body is like clearly telling them something else but in general terms of nutrition, um, I guess if you want to talk a little bit about like bulking, cutting, maintaining, and like the phases of, um, I guess, fitness goals. Yes, I would love to. And I think if I had to say one thing that everybody would take away from this podcast, it would be this right here, how you bulk and cut successfully, because so many people get this wrong. Um, They'll do like two week bulks or two week cuts and just like eat whatever they want or eat nothing. And then they'll be right back where they started because at the end of it, they'll just do the opposite because that's how their brain's hardwired because you're not really getting into what you need to do in order to gain or lose weight. So here's what I would do. And here's what I've done is for a week, maybe two weeks, um, I would eat exactly how you do right now, except I would track every single calorie you put in your body. There's so many ways on the internet to, to quote unquote, estimate your maintenance calories or figure out what your maintenance calories are. But that's for the average person at your height, gender and body weight. That's not for you. It's very, very different measurements. For example, me, I currently weigh about 170 pounds. Um, I'm a guy and I'm about 5'10". If you plug that into a calculator, (laughs) it's going to tell me that I maybe need 2,000, 2,200, 2,300 calories a day to maintain my weight. Right now, I'm eating 3,200 calories every single day, and my weight is consistent. And that is just insane to to think about how the internet is so wrong with regard to bulk and cutting. So once again, what I would do is track your calories, take the average of it over two weeks, divided by number of days that you actually ate, And that will be your maintenance calories. From there, if you want to maintain, continue to eat like that. Assuming your weight doesn't like drastically change, I would probably track your weight as well while you're doing this, just to make sure like it doesn't like significantly rise or fall because then you know you're not eating your maintenance, right? Mm -hmm. But once you figure out your maintenance, um, for bulking and cutting, the rule is very simple. Eat roughly 200 pounds over 200 pounds, 200 calories my bad <laughs> 200 <laughs> calories over your maintenance if you're trying to bulk per day 200 calories below your maintenance if you're trying to cut every day and that will put you in a very sustainable cycle of roughly half a pound a week plus or minus depending on your goals um, and that's very stable i think that another mistake that people make is they try to do it way too fast um i'm not trying to call my dad out here but <laughs> something that he's done um is he's gone completely keto and does that work for some people? Yeah. Um, does it work for others? No. But he maybe lost 40 to 50 pounds in a month and a half. Um, and it was great. Like he looked great. I was super proud of him, super happy. But what happens is when you do such a strict diet and re- restrict yourself that much, when you come back to normal, it all comes back. You haven't really mm-hmm. built a habit. You're just kind of setting a trend, if that makes sense, um, with the analogy. So it's there's some very important stuff to learn about bulk and cutting. There's there's maybe trendy ways to do it that work temporarily, then you'll go back to normal. And then there's there's kind of like the real approach that will actually work for you if you're if you're willing to put time and effort into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's so helpful. And honestly, like I learned a lot too, because um, I've just been using like apps to tell me, oh, like you need to consume this much. But I'm sure it's very different for everyone. Yeah, exactly right. And I think that's another reason why these calculators can be so incorrect, is because people are at different levels of active, right? Mm. And 
on these apps, what they'll normally have, at least from my experience, correct me if I'm wrong, um, is you'll say like, I'm not active, I'm kind of active, or like, I'm really, really active. And those are so vague to me. Like, what does really, really active mean? Like, am I like a marathon runner or something? Like, like what, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, so to me, the best way you can do it truly is just do it yourself, figure it out yourself, because these apps are a good shortcut, but they're not a great estimate of what you could actually eat and maintain or gain or lose weight if you wanted to. Um, yeah, I guess also maybe like having an Apple watch because then that tracks your like uh, actual blood pressure and like your heart rate. And then that's, I guess, more accurate than just like something generic on the internet, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Apple watches certainly help. I think they're a really good tool to use for people who are more cardio focused in their fitness. Mm -hmm. For example, like if you were going on a run, you could tell like how far you went, your pace, like the heart rate, et cetera. I think for my specific uses, uh, an Apple watch kind of in a sense does more harm than good. Like it puts a calorie number on your workouts. Um, it also puts a time number on it. I think those two things are kind of independent of what a good workout looks like, at least specifically for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. Additionally, the calorie number, the heart rate, the beats per minute, you got all this information. It seems like it'll be really useful. But going back to what you were talking about, it really kind of depends on your goals. And for me personally, an Apple Watch might not be useful, but, you know, for someone else, it would. So I think the intentionality, like making sure that you're buying it for the right purpose is really important, too. You rose before the sun did on the day of your very first powerlifting competition. You decided to join the club as a way to learn more about fitness and find a community of like-minded people. At 6 a.m. promptly, your ride, a veteran powerlifter, was outside your door in a white SUV. Having woken up late as usual, you scrambled to fly through your expedited skincare routine, pack your makeshift carbohydrate-heavy lunch of two Hawaiian rolls and a cup of overnight oats, and grab the pre-filled backpack filled with your knee sleeves and a lifting belt. Less than an hour later, you arrive at the venue in time for weigh-ins. Flash forward to the action. You were in the first flight of athletes to lift, and there was one girl in your flight who caught your eye. She was about 4 foot 11, wore false lashes, and had a radiant smile that was infectious. She looked like one of those Asian baby girls, but she wasn't like other ABGs. She looked like she power lifts. And it turns out this girl was a senior in high school and that she was hoping to qualify for nationals. As a senior in college at your first meet, you were inspired by her ability and passion to compete at such a young age. Soon, it was time for the first lift, the squat. You were up first, meaning that you were going to kick off the entire meet. The nerves had been building for weeks, and your stomach was in knots as you stepped up to the platform. The weight of the bar felt heavy in your hands, and you could feel the eyes of the judges and the crowd upon you as you prepared to lift. Shoot. You smelled your armpits, which were slightly moist due to the nerves, and realized that you had forgotten to put on your deodorant. Oh well, you brushed the thought aside, took a deep breath, and stepped out from the racks. As you began to squat, you felt a rush of adrenaline and a sense of power that you had never experienced before. The bar felt heavy, but you were determined to lift it, to prove to yourself and to others that you had what it took to compete at this level. As you moved through the lifts, you felt a sense of euphoria that was unlike anything you'd ever experienced before. The cheers of the crowd and the support of your fellow competitors fueled you, pushing you to lift more and more weight with every passing moment. Let's 
So let's shift gears a bit now into lifting related. Um, how do you split your workouts typically in a week? Um, what does that look like? What kind of exercises do you do? Yeah. So for me, what I'm currently doing, well, I, I train specifically for powerlifting, but people are most familiar with is something called push-pull leads, we'll, where you'll do push first day, pull second day, like third day, take a rest, repeat. Um, push usually encompasses bench, pull, maybe some sort of like row or deadlift and legs, probably squat. Maybe you'll skip it. Who knows? Um, for me, it's a little bit different. Um, I currently squat, bench, and deadlift two, four, and two times respectively per week. Um, those days kind of differ in terms of intensities, rep ranges, and variations. By intensity, I mean how far I'm actually taking a lift close to failure. Rep range, I'm talking about how many reps am I doing? So am I doing four, two, six, five, whatever. Um, and variations. So what types are you doing to kind of change the way that you're lifting? So let's talk about squat. For example, you could do a pause squat. You could do a tempo squat where you go slower on the way down. You could do both at once. Um, you could do a beltless with a belt, without a belt. Um, there's so many ways to kind of change up your training to not only make it more interesting, but also make fatigue more manageable in a program. And that's, that's kind of currently what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think for you who's like training for powerlifting competitions and like competing at like national level as well, um, mm -hmm. you know, that you would have a different, more set uh, program. But I think like for someone who's uh, maybe just like entering the gym or just wants to focus on like the physique, um, bodybuilding, for example, what they would probably do is like first focus on what their goals are, figure out like which part of their body, I guess they want to train the most. Um, mm -hmm. Like for me personally, I prioritize my leg days. So I typically start with legs, which includes like hip thrust, uh, RDLs or Bulgarian split squats. Um, and then I'll do like a pull day, which is like pull-ups, rows and lat pull-downs, et cetera. And then I'll do a push day, which is when I do bench, um, either incline or flat bench. And then I'll also do some chest flies. Um, and that I also do with uh, triceps as well. And um, after that, I go back to doing glutes. And then I typically switch it up between like squats, deadlifts. But for each glute day, I always love to do hip thrusts. I think those are like just the booty building god tier exercise personally. But yeah, and then you kind of repeat depending on like how much time you have or like what days maybe you want more of a rest day or maybe you're traveling and you don't have as much time. So prioritizing what you want to focus on. And I guess for you, that would be like... Like what you want to get stronger at or what you think you need more practice um, in like for your lifts or your meets. But I guess I'm curious, uh, would you say that powerlifting has had any like physical or um, permanent or temporary like changes on your life um, in terms of like on your body or your mental? Yeah, I think definitely my body. Um, also my mental. Yeah. I think gaining discipline, of course, is huge mentally. I think also gaining confidence is huge. Um, especially within the gym, when you're putting up numbers, you see other people looking at you, like that's always a big confidence boost and, you know, physically like having a body that you're proud of is great. I think that I'd never really felt that before until like I started lifting and where I am right now. And, you know, it's, it's such a great feeling to be at this point, 55, am I doing that math right? Yes. 55 pounds up from where I started wow. and still be relatively lean. Like I feel really good in my own skin. And I was not that way in high school or even the start of college at all. And just the ability to to focus on what you love as well, doing it is just such a great combination. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think like with powerlifting too, uh, even outside of the gym, like even on the platform of a competition, um, I did my first powerlifting meet, uh, which you actually encouraged me to do. So thank you, Jared, for that. But it was truly like such an incredible experience just to have that community of like everyone supporting everyone because at the end of the day, you're competing against yourself. Yeah, I agree for sure. I think that there's definitely a lot to be said about competing against yourself. It's very fun to 
put up numbers above what you did before because at least to me still it's still this revolutionary concept that i can put in work and then be a physically stronger person as a result like that's so cool to me um so it's so much fun to compete against myself and do that i also have experience with competing against other people um doing meets um especially one that i did last may i think that was more kind of on the national scale was was really really fun and and let's be clear i placed 58 like i was not in <laughs> right <laughs> let's be very clear about that um but it's so much fun like kind of competing against other people too as i remember like even you know, like on the 50th of places in this meet um my coach at the time told me they're like okay well you could take a five kilo jump which is what you do normally probably in this instance on your deadlift or you could take a seven and a half, get 58th instead of 59th. But I'm like, I will do that seven and a half. Now, like I'm pulling against someone like, I want this shit. Like I want this for me. I want that 58th place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, it can be fun either way, in my opinion. Um, I think that's why I love this sport. Like that competitive energy is like so mm-hmm. much of what I had in soccer and then lost when I realized I kind of wasn't really good enough to continue. Um, I love it so much. And I think that's really what sets the sport apart for me. Yeah. Um, but have you ever experienced, I guess, like any setback or, you know, maybe like ego lifting that's caused you to, you know, get injured or anything like that? Yeah, I think a line that's definitely important is ego lifting is not good <laughs> no matter what. I think it's it's fun after a meet. It's fun to show off, um, but you're not doing your body the best way that you could. And you can certainly get injured with that. Um, you could also just certainly get injured training normally. Like that happens, you know. Um, it happened to me I, at this point about a year ago. I was squatting. Um, I was doing all my warm-ups normally. I, I walk out my my third warm-up and my right shoulder, something feels like it's just like stabbing pain. I'm like, eh, like that's interesting. Um, and of course, if I were to look back, I would probably have stopped there, but I take another set. Um, I take like a 40 pound jump on my squat, which is what I do normally. And I do it and I'm like, damn, well, I can't feel my shoulder. <laughs> so at that point, to be completely honest, um, looking back at the amount of recovery I had to do, which was like nine bumps, like intensive PT, heating pad, exercises, stuff like I probably should have just gone to the hospital, but you know, um, you don't know enough information then you you kind of just do everything you can and i think that the perseverance of getting through those nine months is definitely something i can speak more about too it's there's so much to be said about kind of sticking with a sport when it seems like it hates you um like there was a point in time where not only could i not squat like a plate or two plates anymore like i couldn't squat the bar because that 45 pounds was directly on, well, I injured my rhomboid. So the back of my right shoulder, my rhomboid was compressing that muscle, which was so painful, even for just the bar to be on there that I couldn't even squat. Yeah. And I think one point I want to highlight in that is that you should definitely listen to your body because you, your body was telling you like, Hey, stop. And you didn't stop. So like, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I guess something that I am curious about is how did you overcome your fear of like getting injured again after your injury? And like, what made you want to go back into the sport? Like, how did you deal with that? Slowly, very, very slowly. I think something huge when you get injured is putting your ego aside. Um, For reference, when I when I first got injured, yeah, I couldn't squat the bar. But when I was going back, when we finally found the pattern of rehab that worked for me, mm-hmm. there were weeks on end where I wouldn't even squat um, 25% of what my max was previously. I would just be doing these these reps of, of baby weight and just, you know, like, it's so hard still. And you're like, damn, like, this is 25% of my max. Like, this should not be challenging. And I feel and it's very easy to kind of go into that loop and be like wow 25 percent. that means i'm weak well if i'm weak i shouldn't do this sport and if i shouldn't do this sport then i fail and if i fail then i'm a shitty person like you can't do that to yourself right you got to take it slowly methodically um yes and, and another thing to be said is that i think what a lot of people don't understand about rebounding is that progress is extremely non-linear and extremely invisible 
you will see dips in progress for no reason at all. Um, you will also not be able to see your progress. Let's let's take my my injury for example. Um, the rehab pattern we were doing involved two sets of four directly after squat workouts of low bar squat. So I would kind of squat, do everything else, then go back to the rack. So here I had 155 on the bar, did my little two by four, enjoyed myself. Um, not really kind of needed it actually. Um, but then I would do it again next week and I'd be like, damn, like this hurts a lot. And I did nothing. Like what in the world is this? So you can't stay at 155. You got to drop the weight. Mm-hmm. And that's such a challenging thing to do. Cause you're like, wow, I did this last week. I can squat way more than this. I know I'm capable but you got to drop the weight and it's not an easy thing to do, but you got to do it. Um, because if you squat 155 again and you flare up that shoulder, you're going to be extremely, extremely sad and push your recovery timeline back a month or two. And if, if you can't tell, this is exactly what I did. Um, so don't be like me once again. Um <laughs> Do not ego lift with your recovery, even if the ego is an 155 pound squat. Um, everything is relative and you need to focus on what will help you feel better in the long term rather than just in the moment. That's so facts. And Jared, I just want to say thank you again for like everything that you're saying. I think I've definitely learned a lot. And yeah, I'll hopefully see you in Ann Arbor sometime this semester. Yes, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. I feel like it's very easy to find information, very hard to find correct information. So do your best. And there's definitely always room for improvement. I know this episode is a bit longer than I would have liked, but there's truly so much to learn about our physical well-being. I first began my fitness journey during COVID in 2020 doing random YouTube videos and consistently a couple times a week. In 2021, I began going to the gym and incorporating strength training into my routine, but I had absolutely no idea where to begin, what exercises to do, or what good form even meant. It felt like I was searching for a light switch in a room that was pitch black, but I soon realized that the room wasn't all dark. There was light coming from other people who were deep in their fitness journeys, such as friends who offered tips and form critique as I posted workout videos on my fitness Instagram account. It was truly this community of disciplined, motivated humans I found during my journey that held me accountable and taught me so much of what I now know about fitness, health, and nutrition. So if you're listening to this and wanted a sign to start your fitness journey, this is it. If you feel behind and wish you'd started earlier, it's never too late, but better now than later. And if you're scared of embarrassing yourself, that's okay. I'll happily embarrass myself right along with you. Because together, we can empower each other to accomplish so much more. Beautiful humans, my name is Annie Wang. And I'd love to go on this journey of growth together as we hold each other to higher standards and put our lessons in perspective.